This is Mystic Takeaway, dishing up extraordinary real-life stories to inspire wonder and nourish the soul. I'm Elisa Graff. My guest today is Bob Arthur of Rowlett, Texas. He'll tell of an unexpected and curious encounter he had outside his local post office. Just in that conversation, that instant, I was completely absorbed in this energy, this beautiful, loving energy that I had never, ever experienced in my life. Good to have you with us. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was uh, born in Dallas, 1942, and uh, my family moved to a farming community not too far from Austin, Texas. That's where I spent my childhood. Look out the window and there was either uh, cotton growing or maize or something else. My parents weren't farmers, but we lived on the edge of a farm. And uh, then we moved to uh, a town in Texas called Lake Jackson. And uh, all during this time, I was attending church, Christian church, on a pretty regular basis. And we, uh, when we got back to this little town called Granger, I was, uh, they, they were, there was, there was a Baptist church, a Methodist church and the Catholic church. And the Catholic church was by far the largest. It was a, um, a farming community, uh, comprised of maybe 90% people from Czechoslovakia and, uh, were predominantly Catholic. And, uh, so my family, uh, went to the Baptist church and I did all the things, went to the summer camps and uh, worked hard and, and got my Bible for perfect attendance for a period of time. I might've fallen off right after that, but I wanted to make sure I won that Bible. And uh, so that was kind of my upbringing uh, as far as the spiritual, uh, what I felt like was the spiritual side. And then we moved to a town called San Antonio and um, it was there that I was entering high school. It was my first year in high school. And uh, I, there was a Baptist church just literally right down the street from us. So I, I attended that church. And during that time, my older brother had met a girl and fallen in love with her. And, and she was Catholic. And so he intended to convert to Catholicism. And he would come home in the evening after his uh, classes with the father, and he'd tell me, he said, wow, the father's really cool. He just really liked him and said he was just really nice, you know, not anything like what I had thought a priest would be, I guess, sort of like the same thing with with a preacher. And uh, then in the Sunday school class, I was about 15 years old, the older boys met, and we were having our Sunday class. And there was something mentioned very derogatory about the Catholic Church. And I just knew it wasn't right. And I said something. And uh, there was quite a bit of uh, commotion uh, when I said that. And it, at that time, I knew that this nothing against the Baptist Church, but it just was not going to be for me. And I wasn't really sure, I have to add, that I knew what it was. I needed or would find, I had no idea, but I just knew that I didn't want to go back. So I didn't. And during all those years, you know, I went to 
school, I worked some, played in a band for different bands, a lot of different bands for years and years. And somewhere along about, I'd say about 1989, I had left the music business and was in the swimming pool business. I became a swimming pool designer and then started building pools myself. And um, I remember one, I used to listen to talk radio all the time. One show, the radio host said, well, is the Christ back in the world now? British author Benjamin Crimp says that he's back. Tune in tomorrow, basically. So I'm going to want to say, well. And what year was this again? This would be about 1989. It was just a local Dallas show. Was, uh, Kevin McCarthy was the name. He's long gone now, but, uh, you know, it was just a local show here. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to tune into that because I just want to see it. I thought I knew what I was going to hear, but for some reason I thought, I just got to hear what this is about. Otherwise, I might have just not even turned on the radio that day. So I got up the next morning. I was driving over to a job to look it over. And of course, I promptly forgot about the talk show. <laughs> and as I was leaving, driving back home, I turned it on and there was Benjamin Krim speaking about the Christ. And I didn't have to hear a whole lot of conversation. It was just almost near immediately, within a minute or so, it just impacted me. So, and I just had this feeling that I've tried to describe it. It's, it's not a bell going off, but it's like some, something resonated on such a deep and for lack of a better expression, honest level that I just knew that this was something I needed to pursue. And I was, wow. you know, I was like, what's happening here? What's going on? What, what has happened? This was definitely not what I expected, but I was like, and I, I drove on home. I, I, I listened a little bit on the, on the driveway. Then when they took a station break, I ran in the house. I told my wife, you've got to listen to this, listen to this. But she was busy doing housework. And so I just listened to the rest of it and found out that they were going to have a transmission meditation next evening. So I wanted to attend that, of course, and I did. And I would say there's maybe 100, 150 people, maybe. Uh, it's a pretty good gathering. And we were just sitting, waiting. We lined up. Uh, I think it was the men and then the women kind of in a line, but the women were kind of grouped together. The men were grouped together. And then in comes Benjamin Krim. And he was just hilarious. He, and one thing that tickled me was he said, for those of you that are here to find out if you were Queen Elizabeth in a former life, I'm afraid you've got the wrong place. <laughs> he had a great sense of humor. Yes, he did. And, and, and I appreciated that. You know, I thought, all right, this is, you know, it was funny. Just funny the way he said yeah. it. And, so, but I was tentative and, uh, and then he explained it and then we began meditating and, uh, I was doing exactly what he had told us to do. Sound the own, keep your focus at the Ajna center and just, uh, going along with it, um, doing okay. And about 20 minutes or so into it, uh, I'd say something Pretty soon after I was into it, I felt as if some hands, a pair of hands were massaging my heart. It was just like this 
movement in my heart that I could feel. And I was just like, I was just like, whoa. And I just like, am I sitting in the wrong position or something? But I could definitely feel that. And that stirred me up quite a bit. Well, so I meditated for maybe a couple more hours. Then I was about ready to leave. I was out in the parking lot and there was an elderly man named Bill that he and his wife had driven all the way from Memphis to Dallas to meditate. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And uh, so I asked him, I said, what's going on here? <laughs> and he explained to me about the Christ and about my trade and everything. And all the time he was talking, I was just trying to keep up with him. I was trying to follow, you know, like, hey, wait, don't go too far. Wait, let me, let me catch up with you. But, but I was just, it's just blowing my mind, really. And so he said, well, I'll send you a book. And he actually did. He sent me the first book I knew about, The Reappearance of the Christ and the Masters of Wisdom. And I read that, and that just connected even more. So I started calling the number if you wanted to be in a transmission group. And a lady called me back. And said, so we'll come to this place such and such a time and we'll meditate. And so the, the rest is history. That was around 1989 and I've been doing it ever since. And that's how I got into it. That's how I started. Nice. Nice. And how has that impacted your life in general? Well, this sounds strange to say it, but... I don't feel like I have the other life anymore, but the way I used to be, mm -hmm. how I thought about things and about people and how I conducted my life and myself. There's some of that still there, but for the most part, I feel like this has completely changed my life. I've been able to leave behind what I was and just stay focused on what I'm becoming. The realizations is the more you work in this and you know, the experiences you have so many people in the transmission meditation group, the share international group have had uh, very unique, interesting experiences. Um, they're all kind of collected together or similar in that they're just amazing spiritual uh, experiences and how they got into this. It's just my life now. It's just become my life. Well, they say that about transmission meditation, that it's very powerful because the energies you're contacting during transmission are actually accelerating your spiritual progress, mm -hmm. right? That's what Benjamin Kremer yeah. said before about transmission meditation. So I suppose you've, had, you've felt that that's what's happened for you. Oh, yes. Yes, the energy's flowing through and you know I've had experiences that are absolutely I'm convinced real true and uh however you want to look at them they've affected my life regardless so that's of course, part of yeah. what's changed me and it's also given me faith more faith you might say uh, reassured me that yes you're on a good path here would you like to share any of those experiences? Sure. I think probably the most amazing one to me was I was headed to an appointment, a sales appointment, and 
I stopped at the post office to get the mail and there was the Share International. And so I sat in my car and just looked, you know, opened it up and started reading and oh, I was just so, I was so happy to get it. And I just, every month I couldn't wait to get the new issue and read and find out what was happening. And it was just a lifesaver. And as I was doing that, all of a sudden, maybe I've been in the van about a minute or two. A man comes walking out of the post office and he heads straight towards me. And he came up to my window and literally stuck his face right inside the window next to me, maybe six inches away, I guess. And he said, I like your beard. It matches your hair. For several weeks or more, I'd been considering shaving my beard. You know, I said, no, I don't like it. It's, it's not right or whatever. You know, and people go through those changes. And I was just debating it back and forth. I asked my wife, what do you think? And, you know, and all this. She would be the only other person that would know this. And so for me, him saying that it got my attention. You know, was, he said, I like your beard. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you know. But really when he, he engaged me in just in that conversation, that instant, I was just completely absorbed in this energy, this beautiful, loving energy that I had never, ever experienced in my life. And I, I became, I got out of the van, opened the door, got out, I was standing there and talked to him. And uh, I, I just, I remember just feeling so happy and so joyous. And um, I said, I said, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy to see you. And uh, it wasn't an emotional thing in that sense. It was more like just this energy. It's not exactly electrical. It's a vibration, but an energy that I could feel. And it made me so happy. And I just, you know, would have stayed in that moment forever. Just, I was happy. And I started thinking, maybe this is Jesus. And I said, the Christ is coming back and, you know, and the masters of the wisdom and all that. He didn't really say anything about that. So, you know, I shook his hand and then I got back in my van and, um, I asked, <laughs> I asked him if, right, do you mind if I call you and talk to you again? And so, um, he, I, I took a notepad out my pen, started writing down. I said, okay, uh, where do you work? And he said, the comfort end. <laughs> so, I've been over the years talking about the comfort end. <laughs> it couldn't have been a better name where <laughs> Jesus lives. And I was like, oh my, so you, you pile all this up and this one day and I'm still supposed to go do a sales appointment, which I did. It is just, it just. It knocked your socks off. Knocked my socks off. And I, I wanted everybody in the world to feel this because I yeah. just know that if they felt this, there wouldn't be any wars. There wouldn't be any hatred. There'd be no room for anything but love and, and, and goodwill and happiness. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one experience. That's really beautiful. How did you know it was Master Jesus? This felt like it was Jesus. And, and, um, later on, I had an occasion to ask Ben, Benjamin Krim about it. And he confirmed that it was Jesus. My son wow. has been involved in 
a number of experiences himself, uh, even as a little boy. We had a, a smooth collie dog. It's a short-haired collie dog that we got him. He was in elementary school. Uh, maybe he's in about the sixth grade at this time. And the dog got away, got out. So we were looking around, couldn't find him. So then we got in the car, all three of us, and started driving around looking for him. And, uh, you know, if you've ever had that experience, there's a little sinking feeling in your heart that you, a little fear of like, oh, are we going to find him or is this it? My wife and I were just kind of glancing at each other and driving. And we drove a lot. We drove up all these different alleys around the neighborhood, down these different streets. And I think one person said she thought she saw that dog until we took off that direction. But no matter where we went, he wasn't there. And it's this we went on for about 35, 45 minutes. And we'd gone way, way, oh, maybe a couple of miles away from the house down to this park. Uh, thinking, well, maybe he's attracted to this park and the woods and everything. Couldn't find him there. And and I need to back up for a second. At one point, when we were in the alley behind our house, we stopped and he wasn't there. And we were thinking, what should we do? I believe my little boy Jonah said, what should we do? And I said, well, let's pray about it. So we did. We all just sat there in the truck in the alley praying asking that our dog would be, his dog would be found. And then, you know, we did all this driving around. So we left the park and I'm thinking, that's it. You know, he just got away and that's it. That's, you know, really sad. So we got down to the corner and I became aware of a horn honking. It was a car horn honking just constantly. And there was nobody behind us and uh, no one around at the intersection anywhere. So I kept going up the road and I'm going to say it was probably maybe 500 feet, 600 feet up. There was a car and in the car, it was parked right next to an alley. And there was a black man with his arm out the window and pointing over the roof of his car towards the alley. And we pulled up to the alley and there was image the collie and he was like he was frozen in place he was like he would just run everywhere he's frisky he was just locked in place and so my wife and my son jumped out and went and got him and i got out of the car and i looked at the man and i said or uttered something like thank you and he started driving off and but his face was looking back at me and so i always went wow. you drive forward and look back at and, and he had a white shirt. That's all I remember from that. And he was just smiling, just smiling, smiling. And, you know, he knew he knew we were looking for the dog, is what I believe. He kept the dog there, and we found him, and it was just... It's, kind of, it's really incredible. What a story. Because, I mean, how would that person have known what you were looking for, you know? Exactly. It, it was, it's like there's... It couldn't have been a normal person, you know? No. How would he know? And it's a horn. I don't know how this horn, I could hear this horn for so, so far away because, you know, it's, that was a lo too long away to be, I think, to hear in a horn. And, and like you just said, Elisa, it's, uh, how would he know? 
It's like, okay, here's your dog. Anyway. That's incredible. And the dog is frozen in place. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. He was, he was just in the alley facing the fence. He wasn't moving. That's <laughs> amazing. This is being held by an invisible force. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Really, really crazy. So, That's a great story. Thank you. But they're blessings to all of us, anyone. And it just serves to, to restore your faith in humanity in all the times and troubles and, and, and difficulties we all face and what we live through, that there is a better world and that that world is coming our way. And in the next uh, number of years, our civilization will change so much and we won't live with the fear and the anger and the hatred that uh, is so prevalent these times yeah. and that's that's encouraging that's hope yeah there's so many amazing stories um there's so many <laughs> it's it's remarkable and i think actually a lot of these things happen to people who don't even realize because they're not necessarily aware of what share international people that are connected to that work that they know about. There are lots of people that have experiences like this that give them faith. And we just, unfortunately, we don't hear about them that often, right? So, but I know this is happening to lots of people mm -hmm. all over the world. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Those, those things are what just keep you going. That it's it's just like a gentle pat on the back saying you're doing okay you're moving you're you're, you're going you're going to make it did you ever find out why there was this massaging of your heart that was taking place during transmission meditation did you ever come to understand what that was about i never asked benjamin krim about it but i just felt like it was and i knew it was there like it was a physical sensation. It wasn't some kind of mental thing. And I just, I felt like it was just my heart opening oh, and being wow. stimulated, mm -hmm. open my heart. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there are often healings that take place during transmission meditation too. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I was curious. I think the whole thing is a, a, a gradual healing from when it, whatever year you got into it. If it was just yesterday, you're already beginning to heal and get better. And, uh, you know, Share International is, uh, as you know, a worldwide organization. Its uh, main function is to inform people about the reappearance of the Christ, Maitreya, and the masters of the wisdom, perfected men. They're like us, but have gone further and no longer need to reincarnate. They're, they're perfect. And so we, we have help coming. All these times right now, how turbulent it is, the times are, it, we have help is on the way. Help is already here. And if we can just... What do you think... What do you think people need to know to be able to connect with that? What advice would you give to people who don't know anything about this in terms of 
how they can learn more for themselves. Because isn't it true also that nobody needs to connect even to Share International to know who Maitreya is because he visits you in your heart. And um, so essentially it's just a question of actually just trusting and knowing that this individual is there and reaching out. Well, yeah, even if you're of any other religion, liberal, moderate, hardcore, if you open your heart and start looking at everybody as part of you, as one system, and this is somebody you need to think of in terms of they're they're your brother, they're your sister, and uh, they're not somebody that's aggravating you right now. they, They are, maybe, but they're also much, much, much more than that. And if we can realize that interconnectedness that we all are, and it's taken me a long time to really wrap my head around this word, and I'm not sure I have it now, but feels better is one, you know, the one creator. There's just no difference. And so people were stopped thinking negative, bad thoughts, because when you realize how effective or damaging a thought can be, you just want to uh, take a self-improvement course right away. Get better. Don't think negative or bad thoughts towards anyone because thoughts have energy. You know, form follows thought and all. And just uh, treat people that way. Even if they're making you mad or aggravating or you just can't stand to be around, whatever, you know, find that way to see them uh, on the higher ground. I don't know that sounds maybe kind of trite or preachy, but that's the best way I know is just you, you can't allow you can't allow your old self to continue to command your life. And the way I was able to get some peace from all the experiences I've had is is to realize that I belong to a group and we all belong to the really to the universe, the one creator. And when we begin functioning as one, then things will get nicer and lighter. Then I think Mother Nature, things start happening to help you and your life gets better, calmer, smoother. Is there anything else you'd like to share, Bob? Just never give up hope. Just keep going. Because in your darkest night, there's always light on the way. So you just persevere and don't, don't become part of that darkness. Just give it no energy so it can atrophy. Wise words for these times. (laughs) We're we're living in challenging times. So those are very wise words. It is. Well, they are rough times. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your sharing your stories. Thank you, Elisa. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Mystic Takeaway. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with others. Thanks for listening. Thank you.